Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When you're doing a Bible study, when you're reading the Word, maybe devotionally and all that stuff, you can't rely on your own understanding, okay? As smart as you may be, what you need more than anything, and praise God, because even Jesus talked about this in the Gospel of John, of how the Holy Spirit would come and He would teach us, and He would reveal to us these things. In one sense, He would help us to understand what's being said. Bible study 101, before you even crack open the book, you start praying. Holy Spirit, I need you. When it comes to reading the Bible or leading a ministry, you can't depend on your own understanding. In today's message, Pastor James emphasizes the need for the Holy Spirit to help guide and teach you. The wisdom of the Lord is so much richer than your own wisdom. So before you read a word of Scripture, take some time to pray. Before you lead a ministry, seek Jesus first. Ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit that you might understand and lead in His ways and not your own. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. grateful for the book of Acts. Um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, just starting this book, this is going to be a journey for us as Calvary Galveston. We will be taking our time going through this thing. Normal speed for us is about a chapter. You know, we knock out about a chapter and all that good stuff. That's not happening. We may not even get into Acts today. That's just a, just a disclaimer. Um, so we may not even make it, but I'm really excited about this. We're going to be covering a lot of just fascinating things concerning this book and Going into this, if you know anything about Acts, Acts is technically part two. It's a sequel. What makes a good sequel? What makes a good sequel, if you're thinking in how I do, I was raised on movies, okay? So you understand this. Late 80s, I was born in 79, but you know the deal. Like, I don't know anything about the 70s because I was just barely there. But, you know, that mid to late 80s, the golden age of film is what I would say. Um, Other people would be like, you're crazy. I know. But... um, What makes a good sequel? You have to have a compelling first story. You have to have a story that precedes it, that leaves you with questions saying, well, what happens next? Well, what happens next? What happens to those characters in that story? That's what Acts is. Acts is the answer to that question from the Gospel of Luke. Because if you read through the Gospels, Luke is, we know there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written by four different individuals, all inspired by the Holy Spirit, different perspectives, all saying the same thing, okay? Which is a miracle in and of itself, okay? But they all say the same thing. But you read through the Gospel of Luke, and naturally, you should come to this question where you're like, well, so what happens next? And that's what was going on with Luke. And I love that about his account of the Gospel, because he was writing his to this individual named Theophilus lover of God or loved by God, you can define it both ways. So he's writing to Theophilus the gospel of Luke, right? So he's explaining to this guy, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now, if you don't know anything about Luke, he was a physician. Um, A lot of people believe he um, 
Well, he was a physician. He rolled around in Acts. We're going to see him pop up a little bit later uh, on the missionary journeys and all that stuff. But very intelligent man. His writing style is very precise, as you would expect. The details of the stories, as far as on his account uh, throughout the Gospels, I mean, he's going to include different details that some of the other writers may not have included. That doesn't cause conflict. That's just another person's perspective of the same exact story, saying the same exact thing. But he's like, but did you notice this? But did you see that? Because, of course, four different guys are going to see it different, you know, same story, different ways. So he's a brilliant man and just faithful in the sense of recording what the Lord did. And, and so he has this relationship with this individual, Theophilus, may or may not have been his boss at some point in time. We don't know. But he has this connection with this guy. And so he begins the Gospel of Luke with like, we're addressing really Theophilus and basically saying, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And he goes through the entire, the gospel of Luke is like the longest gospel. I mean, it is lengthy um, because, again, he is a very detail-oriented man. And he's writing down all this. He's including all this crazy stuff. I love reading his account of the crucifixion and the resurrection because he really gets into some of those uh, minute kind of details, those little small details. But he ends it, and that's where we're going to pick up, because you can't go into Acts without really getting the context of the end of Luke. And so we had that as our scripture reading, but I would ask that you would turn there. It's in Luke chapter 24, and we'll start in verse 44. And just so you understand, just see even the context of this thing, uh, this is in correlation with, uh, you know, the end of the other gospels where it's Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and his guys. Okay, they're out on the shore of the Galilee. Judas is gone. This is obviously after the crucifixion and the resurrection. This is the risen Lord Jesus who is hanging out with his guys. Luke does a fantastic job of explaining to, you know, to the fact that Jesus actually did physically raise from the grave. Because ghosts, as far as I know, don't eat. Um, they can't eat. They, they have no physical body. That was one of the theories that was going to be circulating at not too long after, well, when the book of Acts was written. But Luke is recounting this to Theophilus, starting at verse 44. He says to them, this is Jesus uh, talking to his disciples, after, you know, they're cooking some fish, they're going to eat some fish and all that good stuff. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, here's the key, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Let me tell you, that has to happen for each and every one of us, okay? At this point in time, this is, we believe the disciples, they are saved. And we're going to do a whole study on the Holy Spirit, probably more specifically, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, probably next week what that means, okay? Because that's a big confusion thing of like, what does that mean? And the filling of the Spirit, right? The with, in, and upon kind of whole thing. Uh, we're going to talk about that because we have to if we start the book of Acts. You have to go into that. You have to have some understanding of that. Right here in this story, the Spirit is in the disciples because Jesus showed up and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. We believe at that point in time, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of the disciples, okay? So they have that. They're doing a little camp out right next to the Sea of Galilee. They're cooking up some fish. And Jesus is explaining to his disciples, he's like, listen, everything needed to be fulfilled. Everything that was written in the law, in the prophets, in the Psalms, all of it 
had to be fulfilled, had to be fulfilled, and it was. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Just a little side note concerning that. When you're doing a Bible study, when you're reading the word, maybe devotionally and all that stuff, you can't rely on your own understanding, okay? As smart as you may be, what you need more than anything, and praise God, because even Jesus talked about this in the Gospel of John, of how the Holy Spirit would come and he would teach us and he would reveal to us these things. In one sense, he would help us to understand what's being said. Bible study 101, before you even crack open the book, you start praying. Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. I need you to show me what it is that you want me to grasp from this portion of scripture today. Best place to start. So for the disciples, they're with Jesus. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures and the light bulb comes on. I love that because a lot of these guys were brought up with the scriptures. A lot of these guys were raised in, in church, quote unquote, from birth. They were raised in church. And they sat with Jesus. They hung out with Jesus for three, three and a half years. The best preacher the world has ever known, the best teacher the world has ever known, they watched all these miracles. And and he even told them specifically, multiple times leading up to his death, I'm going to die. They're going to crucify me. He said it in as clear as possible, I'm going to die. Then it all happens. And what I love about all Just this whole story, if you take into account the entirety of the Gospels, is his disciples didn't always get it. They didn't always get it. It didn't always click for them. But in this moment, the light bulb is going to go on for these guys, okay? So that's what it's talking about there. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture, understand the things that he had been sharing with them about himself, the fulfillment of the prophecies concerning him as the Messiah. And it's like, oh, 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 I get it. Oh, so that, that psalm, that was you. Yeah, that was me. Oh, sweet. Isaiah? Yeah, that was me too. Yeah, that was talking about me. And it, it just started going off in their brains. The connection happened. But it only happened because Jesus made it clear to them. You need Jesus to come by and say, flip the light switch on, and it's like, oh, Oh, I get it. Oh, okay. Do you get it all? No, you don't get it all. You're not going to get it all. It's too deep. But you will begin to understand, and the light will come on, and it's just incredible. This moment changed these guys forever. It's a little bitty verse that sometimes you read through that, and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. No, no. The whole book of Acts happens essentially as a result of even maybe just this one verse Jesus died and rose from the grave. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be a continuation of that story. But you've got to have the guys who the light switch has been switched on in their lives to tell, and not only to tell the story, but to live it out. And that's what we have here with his disciples. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And verse 47, here's the key that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So here it is. So Luke is writing to Theophilus saying, man, let me tell you about Jesus. And he's going through it from the birth, even before the birth, with John the Baptist and his parents and all that stuff. And he's just working through the story, working through the story. And then you get to the end. Jesus has died on the cross, and then he rose from the grave, and then he's hanging out with his guys afterwards. 
And Luke is just building it, building it, building it, because that's not the end of the story. The Gospels are not the end of the story. Too many Christians live as if the Gospel's the end of the story. It's like, yeah, you received Jesus. Sweet. What are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? Because if you just live in the Gospels, that's great. You'll go to heaven. Jesus, you're your Lord and Savior. You go to heaven. That's awesome. But where's the book of Acts in your life? Where's the book of Acts in the church? It has to be the next step. Has to be the next step. And that's what Luke is just building this, like, just this epic. I mean, he's telling the story. And you can, reading through it, I mean, I can just envision Theophilus reading this thing, being like, oh, man, this is so good. This is really good. The hero died in the story. When does that ever happen? Well, then he came back from the grave. When does that ever happen? And then Luke is just, he's sealing the deal with like, listen, all of this, all of this was part of the plan from the very beginning. But ultimately, not just for the nation of Israel, this is for the whole world. The whole world. That the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, that's Jesus, in the name of Jesus, to all nations beginning or starting from the epicenter should be Jerusalem. And so this is Jesus talking to his boys saying, listen, um, you're going to go back to Jerusalem and you're going to have to wait there. You're going to have to wait there. But this is your mission. And even Matthew, Matthew 28 would say, what are you supposed to do? The Great Commission. You go into all the nations, you go into the world, and you make disciples of Jesus, baptizing them. And, you know, baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're, you're teaching them the things that you have been taught. I mean, that's the Great Commission. And in a sense, this is what Luke is echoing the same exact thing. He's just saying it differently. The job of the Christian is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. We know that. It's not suggestion. You can't treat it like it is, although we are guilty of that. It is the Commission. Jesus is telling his disciples, and in thus telling us, if you're his follower, okay, you receive my free gift of salvation, that's sweet. Story's not over. The story just began. The story's just starting. Now, I'm going to send you on mission. Well, to where? We'll cover that here in a second. But you need to know, first and foremost, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the story is just starting. It's just beginning. It's just beginning. The journey has just begun. Don't do as so many people may do and they get their ticket punched like to heaven. Sweet. I'm going. Hey, that's good. That's awesome. Like I'm excited about heaven. I can't wait for that. New heaven, new earth. I cannot wait. But there's a pretty sizable gap from when that event happened in my life at 19 years old to when, whenever it is that he calls me home, there's a gap there. What are you doing? Well, I just thought I'd hang out, live life, the American dream. No, nonsense. That's nonsense. That's a distraction. No, no, no. You're a Christian. You're an ambassador for the king who's Jesus to represent him. The most exciting time of your life could very well be just in the surrender and just saying, all right, Jesus, I'm a missionary. That's what you are. You don't have to go to another country. You're a missionary. Christian equals missionary. 
solved, period, right? Like, no questions. You're a missionary. Well, now be on mission, right? So that's what Jesus is telling us, guys. He's like, listen, I fulfilled all the scripture. I fulfilled everything. All the stuff that was prophesied concerning the Messiah, I did all that stuff. Now I'm sending you guys. I'm going to send you into the world to tell people about what? The gospel. But before you go, you need to wait. You need to hold on. And here's why. Verse 48 of Still in Luke there. He says, you are witnesses of these things. And they both, they would testify to that. Luke would testify to that through the book of Acts. Um, John, we know that he would testify to that, being a witness of all these things in 1 John. Remember he talked about, he's like, when we saw him. We not only saw the risen Lord Jesus, we touched the risen Lord Jesus, we hung out with him, we ate fish with him. Um, Like, yeah, he really came back from the dead. He really literally came back from the dead. We saw him die on the cross. We saw his body get thrown into that tomb, wrapped up in everything, and we saw him post-tomb. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. And Jesus is saying, you're all witnesses of these things, not just those things, the death, the burial, the resurrection, but then also the blind could see, the lame could walk, all the things the Messiah was going to do. He's like, you saw it all. Verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Well, what was the promise of the Father? Well, remember back in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, listen, I need to leave. I have to go away, which Sounds like it'd be the worst news ever, especially if you're somebody who's devoted three years of your life to follow this guy around. You're like, well, I got questions. Hold on. Wait, you're leaving? And you're saying this is the best thing for me is that you actually leave? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Because Jesus's goal was to turn the world upside down. And in order to do that, he's going to leave the scene. And the third part of the Trinity The Holy Spirit, who we believe is a person, is going to show up. He's going to show up. And so that's what he's saying here. The promise. And Jesus, he explained this to his disciples. He's like, I'm going to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come. The promised one, he's going to come. So Jesus reminding his followers, behold, I'm sending the promise of, of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is a good lesson for all of us to learn as well, okay? Because sometimes we get so eager. You get excited. You want to just go and do something. I got to do something. I got to do something for the Lord. The best advice I could tell you is, okay, number one, hold on to that. Like, don't lose that, but wait. Wait till what? Wait till the Holy Spirit empowers you. Wait till that power, just like with these guys, He's sending them on mission, but before they can go and, you know, do what needs to be done in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the world, you can't do that without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You can't. And the same applies to all of us. And you may have goals, and I want to do this for the Lord. Well, that's beautiful. That's great. But you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. Never run ahead of the Lord. Don't run ahead of him. But it has to be now. If I don't do it now, then what? It's not going to work? Rethink that statement. Because then it sounds like it's more about you than it is about him. And I understand the angst. I understand the times we live in. I mean, it's just crazy, craziness. The day and age in which we live in, and it's becoming progressively more and more crazier, right? And so sometimes there can be this angst inside of us of like, man, we just, we just got to go out there and we just got to do and, and do and do. 
It's like, no, maybe what the church needs to do is wait and wait and wait for the Holy Spirit to empower us. And then you go. You're way more effective if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit than you're trying to accomplish something out of your own strength. Remember that. I shared this quote with you guys before, but you had a pastor from one of the underground churches in China visit America, take a tour. All the churches in America, not all the churches, but some of the churches in America, the conclusion of his journey through the Western church in America, the thing that he left with, and his guys asked him like, hey, so what do you think? Did you saw all our nice big buildings and fancy stuff and all that. His response was, I'm just so impressed by all that you guys can do without the Holy Spirit. And then he went back to China where the biggest church on the planet is happening. That was from an outside perspective of a guy who can't even do church legally or it'll cost him his life. And he's like, man, I'm just so impressed by all that you guys can do without the Holy Spirit. That's not a compliment. The best thing we could do as a church body is wait on the Lord. Is wait on the Lord. The best thing I can do as an individual who is a believer of Jesus Christ is to wait on the Lord. Read through the Psalms. We're continually encouraged by God himself to just wait, wait. Come and sit with me. Come and hang out with me. Why are you in such a rush? Just chill out is what God would say. Just chill out. But you don't understand, Lord. Life's short. And if I don't do this stuff now, then what? Do you trust him? The answer should be yes. Then trust his timing. Trust his timing. Just say, okay, Lord, I really want to go. I really want to do this. But I do not want to do this apart from you. I don't want to do this apart from you. So when you're ready, pour out the spirit on me, and let's just go for it, right? But it's that delicate balance of just knowing how to like, just wait on the Lord, still be eager to go, but still just maintaining that balance of like, I'm ready to go, but only when you say go, okay? So he instructs these guys, you're going to go back. Uh, he says, but you stay in the city until you're clothed uh, with power from on high. Then he concludes, Luke concludes his gospel with this, verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany. That's Jesus leading out the guys. He lifted up his hands. He blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and were returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So if that's where the story ended for Theophilus, I mean, you can imagine, like, you just got this handwritten letter. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, let's just think of the practical aspects of this thing. Luke didn't send this thing to Theophilus. He sent a big scroll. And there's a lot of people that believe that Luke and Acts were actually on one scroll. That's a really long scroll, okay? That's a gigantic scroll. But you can imagine if he gets part one of this epic, epic journey. And there's Theophilus reads it, and he gets to that point. He's like, well, that's cool. That's a good story. But what happens next? And that's where we are at today as well as a church. Because the gospel is brilliant, beautiful, absolutely amazing books. But what happens next? Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through the book of Acts. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again or listen to more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind the ministry of Bread for the Broken. At Calvary Galveston, we strive to love and live as Jesus did. We're just ordinary people discovering extraordinary truths from the Bible together. As we continue to journey through the book of Acts, our prayer is that your faith is inspired to move, that when you read about the early church, you rediscover the purpose that God has for your life. You might think you're just ordinary, but God sees you deeper and He knows that you're more than that. Being obedient to the calling that God has on your life might not always make sense, but God blesses those who are faithful to answer His call. And you never know what incredible things God has in store when you freely say, Yes, Lord. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit. Or if you're looking for a new church home, you're always welcome. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to start the week out right with worship. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. Find out more and plan your visit by going to our website, breadforthebroken.com. As you go throughout the rest of your day, may you find hope and new life in Jesus.